Welcome to the Mom Manual. Motherhood doesn't come with instructions, but it should. We are on a mission to highlight ordinary moms doing extraordinary things to build the ultimate mom manual. Every week, I have the distinct honor of speaking with women about the lessons they've learned and the inspiration that got them to where they are today. Join us for a conversation that will spark creativity, provide actionable tips, and celebrate the ordinary and extraordinary moments of motherhood. The Mom Manual starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Manual. This is Tara Williams, and I have a very special guest today, Dr. Katie Marks Kogan. She is a board-certified allergist at Clear Allergy. She's also the chief allergist of Ready, Set, Food. Dr. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Tara. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited. I am very excited to have you. And I, I just told Dr. Katie before we started talking that my son right now is he's just turned four and we are exploring or thinking he might have allergies. So while this is more geared toward baby, it's very timely for me to have a chief allergist on. So I always do these podcasts. It seems like somehow the universe puts the guest on that pertains to my life at the very time. So Dr. Katie, I'm very excited. Can you tell everyone, you know, if they don't know what is a board certified allergist and how you got into this? Absolutely. Um, Well, I love that comment about your son. I also think everything happens for a reason and we're put in contact with people at a certain time for a reason. So if I can be of any help to you, I'm happy to do it. So I'm a pediatric and adult allergist. So I see people of all ages, zero to a hundred and beyond. And I mostly deal with things like food allergies, environmental allergies that can lead to things like hay fever or allergic rhinitis, asthma, all kinds of rashes, atopic dermatitis, also, you know, also called eczema, drug allergies. I also see patients with immune deficiencies, but today we're going to be focusing on the food allergy aspect of what I do and uh, more specifically food allergy prevention. That is huge because the other thing I mentioned is that I have four kids And in all four of their classes, since they've been in school, someone has had a peanut allergy and it kills the moms for those peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But when I was growing up, I never heard of a peanut allergy. So I'm really excited to understand how to better prevent this and really why this is, is it just internet and we know more information or are people truly becoming more allergic to things? So Dr. Katie is going to jump in and give us her first takeaway. Well, just to talk about what you just said, peanut allergies have actually tripled in the last few decades and food allergies have basically doubled. So we are seeing a true, true increase in prevalence of allergies, and we can get into why that's occurring later on. But yes, about two children per classroom right now have a food allergy. So about one in 13 kids. So those are pretty major numbers. But the good news is that there have been multiple landmark clinical trials over the last few years that have shown that we can actually prevent a lot of these food allergies. And the way to do it is by giving allergens, food allergens to babies very early on in infancy during that window. They have this golden window when we can help mold their immune systems towards tolerance and away from allergies. And so we know now that if we give allergens like peanuts, like eggs and milk to babies early on, starting at around four months of age, you know, based on one of the studies, we can prevent up to 80% of 
food allergy. So or 80% of peanut allergy and similar numbers with egg and other allergens. So, you know, the goal right now is to spread awareness about early allergen introduction. And the first tip that I have is to start early. So, you know, I mentioned starting at around four months of age, we now have national and international guidelines recommending that parents introduce allergens early. If we think about 20 years ago, we used to try to keep allergens away from kids, right? We used to say, wait until they're a year to introduce milk, wait until two for egg and three for tree nuts and peanuts. And that was based on the American Academy of Pediatrics guidelines at the time. Those have since been reversed and more so we've had trials and multiple other you know, guidelines, NIH, multiple allergy academies, the USDA now recommends it in their guidelines that babies be actually introduced to these foods early on. So early is best. And that's really important for parents to understand. So in the past, what was the idea behind waiting till age three for something like tree nuts? That's a great question. And so the American Academy of Pediatrics, when they put these guidelines out, they really base them on two observational studies. And so there wasn't real randomized controlled trial data. And that's the standard you know, of clinical research, right? Is randomized controlled trial. They thought, well, if we avoid these allergens, you know, we may be able to avoid allergies, but what they learned is that the opposite is true. By avoiding allergens, we can't train our gut. We have an immune system in our gut and we can't train it, right? So we need to show the gut all of these allergens, all of these proteins. An allergen is a protein. So yeah. peanut protein and egg protein, et cetera, early on so that it can decide if it's safe or foreign. And if it's foreign, is it going to form allergy antibodies to it, right? So it's really important that we train our gut. So anyway, when they realized that this recommendation was actually the opposite, they retracted those guidelines. However, I don't think there was enough awareness spread. There wasn't enough marketing and et cetera to get the idea out there that we need to actually stop avoiding these foods. And so not until 2015, which is when that leap trial came out, right? That's the famous trial that made Bamba famous, those little peanut puffs. You know them. Okay. Bamba. Yes. The Bamba. That's the, the little peanut puffs that are um, originated in Israel. And that's sort of where the whole study idea came from. That's the one that showed the major ability to prevent peanut allergies in kids. And now we've had multiple trials. All of the guidelines have changed. American Academy of Pediatrics has their own guidelines saying introduce allergens early on in infancy. I think, you know, the medical community has come to a consensus. There is no question anymore. The issue now is how to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Because you got to get them in and then you have to keep them in the diet. And that's important. You can't just introduce it once. Right. You know, I, I've had parents say, oh, I gave them bomba or peanut butter, mm -hmm. right? At five months, they were fine. And then they didn't feed it again till 10 months. But that's that window we're talking about. And during that time, they may develop allergy. So keeping it in the diet is important. This is so interesting. So a couple of years ago, before, before I started Dreamland Baby, I had, my career was in medical device and I did some pharmaceutical sales. And so I 
worked with one company that had a drug for Crohn's disease. Mm -hmm. And the very interesting thing about it was in underdeveloped countries where people did not wash their hands, they were not super clean, things went into their gut, there was no Crohn's disease. It was only in areas where we introduced nothing into our guts, like in the Western world where we wash hands and we use sanitizer. And so this whole concept, I, I feel like you're speaking the exact same thing that we were trying to say there that nobody really listened or understood, but it's training our gut. And there is a huge connection between gut and brain. I'm probably going a little bit deeper than this conversation intends, but I'd almost wonder if you have allergies, does that lead to other type things in the brain, like depression or, you know, ADHD? Like, is there a link between these two? Oh, wow. Such good questions. And what you're saying, just to talk about the, the Crohn's um, drug and what you found, that's, you know, the term that we use for that is the hygiene hypothesis, right. which basically says that because we are in a developed country and we do not expose ourselves to you know, the right kind of microbes early on because we're so clean and everything's so highly processed that our gut doesn't see this right type of microbe. Yeah. And that may be a factor in why we're seeing so many food allergies and allergies in general and other things like autoimmune conditions, which is what yeah. Crohn's disease is. And allergies and autoimmunity sometimes, you know, go together as well. So it's really interesting to, you know, to just think about all the studies done on hygiene hypothesis. There are so many that prove this theory, but in terms of, you know, brain gut, you know, I don't know anything off the top of my head in terms of depression, yeah. but what I do know is that food allergy itself brings a lot of anxiety. And so oftentimes with anxiety, you will see depression yeah. and it's in the patients themselves as the children get older, yeah. it's in the families. I mean, thinking about having to really watch every tiny thing your child puts in their mouth. I mean, that is very anxiety provoking for, for parents. And so there's, there's a lot of research being done on that aspect of food allergy and asthma as well. And that's great. I think, you know, the mental health part of it is, is just as important. I think a lot of our listeners are first time moms, women who are pregnant, maybe some men, but typically it's first time parents. And so, you know, this concept of going this extent to introduce allergens, like it may sound a little woo woo, but if you really take a step back, I, my kids now are four, seven, eight, and nine. And for the kids who have the allergies, they have them sit at a separate table at lunch. And I, one of my daughters had a friend who had allergies and the mom had to call me ahead of time and say, can you make sure this isn't out? And she's allergic to that. And, you know, it is beyond just the child and the anxiety it's the whole family. They can't do things. They can't go places. They're excluded from restaurants. They're excluded at school. So what, what our school has actually done now is if somebody does bring peanuts by, by accident, they sit at their own table, right? Like I, we made a peanut butter and jelly one time and sent my daughter and she said, Oh, I had to, but she could bring a friend because she doesn't have an allergy. And so they're, you know, they're trying to be inclusive, but there was one child in my daughter's kindergarten and she was allergic to apparently literally everything. And so for Halloween, nobody could bring in candy. And I remember my daughter saying, it's so annoying that Abby, you know, ruined the whole party, you know, and, and I was like, Brooklyn, that's not a kind thing to say, but they all knew who it was and they knew that they couldn't have a party because of this student. So how does that student feel? So this is more than just like, Hey, let, you know, this is critical. Like if that was your child and you could prevent it, like 
you need to do this. I mean, it's, it's critical. And now that you have the research and this actually leads really well into the next tip that early mm-hmm. is safe. You alluded to that with some of those trials, but can you talk a little bit more on why before they thought peanut and egg were not safe earlier? And now with those trials, parents can confidently give these foods. Absolutely. And I love the word you used critical. I think that is a very good word to describe early allergen introduction right now. And yes, it is also safe. So I talked a lot about those studies, but what they also showed is that introducing allergens early on is safe. None of the infants in any of the trials, and there were hundreds of infants, had any very severe allergic reactions. There have been a few studies since that actually focus on safety of oral food challenges and allergen introduction and show very similar results. And it's something I also see in clinic. I see a lot of babies, a lot of food allergies, and food allergic reactions in infants, if there is going to be a reaction, it is generally going to be mild. The main things we see are hives and or vomiting. As children get older into toddlerhood and beyond, these reactions can become more severe. So that's why we say that early is better and early is actually safer. I know it seems counterintuitive to people, right? They think waiting is safer, but it's the opposite. And that needs to get ingrained, I think, into the medical community and into new parents and parents in general, that early is safe and early is better. And when you go back to that golden window, is that the four months, like the four month mark, is that that's what what we think. And that's all, you know, based on the data that we have, it it may evolve, it may even be earlier. But you know, currently, the guidelines say four months, and I and I think it's a really important time. That's why we created ready set food. It's really important that we get the allergens in around that time frame. And a lot of babies are not eating right? So we can sit here and talk about this all day long, get allergens into babies early, but four months, many babies aren't eating solids, right? So, pa- so parents are like the texture of peanut butter, they can't chew on an egg. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And so that's, you know, the, the main issue that sort of led us to develop Ready, Said Food. One of the founders, his son, his second son, developed multiple food allergies at about seven months of age. And he is a really smart guy. And he thought, is there a way I could have gotten allergens into my son earlier, you know, to prevent this, but he wasn't eating yet. So what could I have done? Could I have put them in a bottle? And so we got together with our other co-founder and a food scientist, and we created a product that you can mix into bottles. It introduces peanut, egg, and milk. It's a powder, but it's real food. It's organic. There's no sugar. It's literally just the powders, the proteins of these foods. They're introduced one at a time and they're introduced gradually. So starting from a small amount and then going to a larger amount and all of the amounts are based on the trial. So it's all evidence-based and it can be mixed into formula or breast milk in baby's bottle. And we know that most parents by four months are giving their babies at least one bottle a day, even if they're exclusively breastfed. And so it's just these packets that you tear open, they're numbered, you pour them in, you shake it and you give it to baby. And so it's really easy. It allows you to get the proteins in early. And then, you know, we have, you know, further stages in our whole system that keeps allergens in the diet and introduces more later on. 
So for the new parent that's listening and, you know, maybe listening and breastfeeding their baby right now and like, oh my gosh, I have a one month old. When do I start? What do I start with? How do I start? Is there a map that I follow? You know, I remember as a first time mom, my kids were born in 2012, 2013, 2014. They're all really close. And then my, my last baby is 2018. But I felt like with the first year, everything was the same. But by the time I had Luke, everything was different. There were no more crib bumpers. There were different evidence on give peanut butter earlier. It just felt like a lot had changed. And I was like, oh, geez, I thought I knew this stuff. I had always just gone on the internet and downloaded when to eat. I guess maybe I didn't download it. Maybe my pediatrician gave it to me, but I felt like I always got some kind of guideline where it was like, here's, you know, month one, you're going to eat these foods and month two, you're going to have these. And this is how much milk they should be drinking. Do you guys have something that you give out for that? Or do you recommend they go to their pediatrician? What would you say for that? You know, first time mom's like, gosh, I don't know what to do. Yeah, no, that's so important because there's so many different ways to find information and you have to, you know, sort of weed through and find the, the, the info that you trust from the right sources. A lot of what we do at Ready, Set, Food and what I do as an allergist in general, it's to spread awareness about early allergen introduction. We are doing partnerships with large healthcare systems like Providence Health Systems, like the Mayo Clinic and other ones to help implement education about early allergen introduction into their well child visits so that these parents automatically get information about when to introduce allergens, allergenic proteins, how to do it. They get that automatically. And it's in their EMRs, in their electronic medical record systems as well. I think a lot of pediatricians, you know, that are very up to date on guidelines and allergies are teaching their parents early on when to do it as well. So I would say always start with your pediatrician. That's always the best place. They know you, they know your baby. And, you know, I think they're the most trusted resource out of everything. And then if, you know, they give you some insight, that's great. If you need more, you know, on our website, readysetfood.com, we spend a great deal of time and energy creating resources for parents just to educate. A lot of our educational material that we're using with the health systems is not even branded. Again, we just want to spread awareness so that we can change public health. I mean, I really feel that if everyone does early allergen introduction, we can save hundreds of thousands of babies every year from developing food allergy, and we can reverse that trend that we're seeing with the increased prevalence. Just for me, you know, being in the medical space and being on the the other side of giving physicians and surgeons the either the drugs or the devices and and doing that training from the company side, while pediatricians are up to date and there is ongoing training, they're not always up to date on everything. So I would say as a patient, you want to empower yourself and you know your child best if you think there's something wrong you bring it to your pediatrician, you ask, and if they're kind of dismissing, oh no, we're going to stay with the old guidelines, especially if it's older pediatricians who aren't as recent from training, print it out, bring it in with you, you know, say, can I do this? Why can't I do it? I I think just the way the healthcare is in the United States right now, every doctor is overloaded and the time is constrained. And so unless you're bringing up all these things, like they may not come up. So as parents, we really need to empower ourselves 
with education, which you're probably cringing like the Google parents. I know it was always the worst. They're like, what no, about I, I, um, you know, I, like, get out of my office. <laughs> not at all. I, and you cannot, you know, my patients, my goal at my practice is patient education. I mean, I spend a great deal of time. I totally echo your thoughts about being an advocate for your own healthcare, for your child's healthcare. I think you should go and read and educate yourself and talk to other parents and use forums and use Facebook groups and, you know, go with your gut. If you do feel like your pediatrician doesn't know, or isn't, isn't telling you, you know, go and ask someone else and find someone else. And yes, I am a hundred percent on that. I actually like when patients have a background of information, it actually makes my job easier in some ways. If they have the wrong information, then I'm, you know, able to educate them and tell them why it's wrong. So I, I do think it's important. I absolutely think you're right. Dr. Katie, can you bring us into your third tip? Yes. Okay. So we touched on it, but it basically is the way to introduce allergens safely, which is to start with one at a time. So for instance, with ready, set food, we do milk for the first four days. Then we add in egg for the next four days. Then we add in peanut so that if baby is going to have an allergic reaction, we would know which food it's to. And the other important thing is we gradually increase amounts. Oh. So starting with a small amount of an allergen is always best, right? Because reactions can be dose dependent, meaning, you know, if you eat more protein, your reaction may be more severe. So we, it's, it's just a gentle way to introduce allergens, starting with a small amount and then increasing from there. And we do that as well in our stage one of ready, set food. Once they're in the diet, once these allergens are in the diet, you need to continue. You know, the guidelines say introducing and keeping peanut in the diet for at least three, three times a week, two teaspoons. And it's, you know, similar for other foods. And again, with ready, set food, when we move on to the second stage, we keep the allergens in the diet, but it's much easier because you don't have to remember and schedule it. You just use one packet a day and it sort of becomes just part of your routine. You know, I think it's much harder for moms and dads to remember to do things, you know, every other day or three times a week. If it's a daily thing, then it just becomes part of your routine. And then we have other products. We have a stage three that you move on to a little bit later on when babies are eating solids that expands the introduction of allergens. So it brings in the other important allergens, some tree nuts, sesame, wheat, soy, tree nuts or almond, cashew, walnut, et cetera. And so that can be mixed into food. And then we have a new product, which is a stage three oatmeal. So it's, you know, it's an oatmeal, which most of us feed our babies anyway, almost on a daily basis. And it has all of the important proteins in it already. So you don't need to do an extra step. Yeah, that, I mean, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but anything that you can make easier for parents becomes huge. So that's, that's fantastic. So oatmeal is the first you have, will, will you guys be launching other products that are already mixed in? Yeah, great question. That's the plan. We are, you know, in process of creating other products and, and the goal is to do everything in an evidence-based fashion, but to make it easy for parents. And so we're all busy. We all, you know, have crazy lifestyles and 
scheduling allergens into a diet is very difficult. I did it with my son. So I have a, a almost seven-year-old and a daughter who turned four on Tuesday. And with my son, he was born right after the LEAP trial came out in 2015. Okay. Right. And I had already known about early allergen introduction. So I was like, okay, I have to get all these allergens in start early, do peanut here, do egg, do dairy, do cashew, you know, all these things. And I was working and had a nanny. I mean, it is very difficult. And so that's another reason as we were creating this, we all have kids and my daughter actually used ready, set food, right? Cause she was born after we had created it. So yeah. to be able to see the difference of having something to be helpful. And honestly, you know, I don't, I, I want all parents to understand as an allergist, I just want them to do early allergen introduction. I don't care how with ready, set food, we make it easy and safe and follow the guidelines. But the important thing to know is to get allergens in early and keep them in the diet. I'm always thinking from the mindset of who's listening. And, you know, there's probably somebody that's like, Hey, I can't afford that. But what would that even look like if like, are they crushing their own peanuts? Are they blending eggs? Like, what would that look like if you didn't use your program? So there are actually in the guidelines, there are examples of ways to feed your baby peanuts. Yeah. Even on our website, we have links to different recipes, pureeing things and using, you definitely want to use age appropriate. And so not all parents know what that, what that means. We're not, we're not going to be using, you know, whole nuts during infancy. And even sometimes the butters, the nut butters can be difficult for babies to swallow because their swallowing reflex isn't, yeah. isn't that good. Right. So watering things down and adding things. Um, so there are, there are different places to find recipes, but they're definitely out there. And you talked about a four day period. So is that, is that what you, you want to try the eggs, for example, for four days in a row? I usually say three to five days for um, my parents when I'm teaching them how to do early allergen introduction. I, again, you know, if there's going to be a reaction, you're generally going to see it the first, the first time. Um, but as you increase the dose, you might see it then. And oh, over, over that time period, you're going to eat like day one, a little bit day two, you increase the amount you give. Yeah, generally. I mean, I usually say start with a pea size amount, wait 15 minutes, give, you know, a quarter to a half teaspoon, wait 15 minutes, give a teaspoon. And then the following day, you know, maybe do something similar, give a little bit more. And then once you're at two teaspoons, you know, do the two teaspoons for another day, make sure everything's fine. You understand, you know, if your baby has eczema and we can talk about that just briefly, first of all, eczema is the biggest risk factor for food allergy. And we can talk about why, but if your baby has severe eczema, you need to talk to your pediatrician before doing early allergen introduction, just to make sure they don't need to be screened. You know, the guidelines actually do not recommend screening at this point, which is great. So that all babies can just do early allergen introduction. But if your baby has it, you might want to discuss it with your pediatrician. Some allergenic foods can flare eczema, but that doesn't mean they're causing it. They might just trigger a, a flare, but eczema is not life-threatening. It's uncomfortable, but there are ways to manage it. And so introducing an allergen for a few days, it can you know, give you information on if they're having a real food allergic reaction, if they're having a flare of eczema and what that means and how they should keep that in the diet if there's, um, if, if eczema is an issue. Um, but it allows you to sort of give yourself a good healthy mindset that you're able to understand one food at a time and not get so confused, like doing all these different foods and, oh, my baby has this rash and 
what is it? I'm going to stop everything and I'm not going to feed any, right? It's, it's, um, that happens a lot. And so that's why I, I think one at a time is so important. And then once they're eating a lot of solid foods, you know, you don't, you don't need to be doing that. I only recommend that with allergens yeah. um, and not even all allergens, but the most important, which is peanut, egg, and milk. That's the most important. If you do it with that, that's all I care about. I remember we first started, I think with a sweet potato and then it was an avocado and, but is there no chance of allergy to those foods or is there still a chance? There's still a chance. So as of today, I think about it's probably up to 170 different foods have been oh, wow. reported to cause an allergic reaction. Really any food that has a protein, a protein is an allergen, right? Mm-hmm. So anything that has protein can, or has the potential to cause an, and, and when I say food allergy, I mean, IgE mediated food allergic reaction, which is an immediate type reaction. I eat something within seconds to minutes, I have hives, I have vomiting and other things, you know, that can lead to anaphylaxis. Um, But yes, many different foods can, but the top nine food allergens, which is peanut, egg, milk, tree nuts, sesame, wheat, soy, fish, and shellfish make up 90% of food, of food allergies. So that's why we care about those. Can it happen? Yes. Is it likely? No, these are the likely ones. And this is, these are the ones that you focus on. Now, what happens if, um, I know I've had a couple of friends who were breastfeeding and then their baby is gassy and uncomfortable and they deducted, I guess, that they were allergic to milk. Mm -hmm. Does that commonly happen? And that's why I brought up what, what I mean by food allergy, because they are potentially allergic to milk, but it's a delayed allergy. So it's something called milk protein induced allergic proctocolitis. Oh, I know. And it's like fancy words. Um, it's basically a delayed milk allergy that leads to blood or mucus in baby's stool and, or colic and gas. It is very common in babies, 50% outgrow it by six months and about 90% by a year. So, and you know, it's not always milk. Sometimes it's soy also, but generally milk's the most common trigger. So that's what they mean by when they say allergic to milk. And that's something that you really want to make sure you, your pediatrician follows along with you, because at some point early on, you actually want to give your baby dairy, right? You want to give them the allergen, feed it to them. So you need to have a plan with your pediatrician of how to go about that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm listening to this and this is like almost overwhelming me. And I don't even have young babies because I'm just thinking about all the you know, the signs and then making a plan. So, you know, anyone who is listening should definitely check out your website. Um, and just like templates and guides for me is, is everything. So I can just check off. Yes, I did it. Yes, I did it. One final question. So you mentioned eczema. Are there any other, you know, if somebody's thinking like, oh, my baby might have allergies or not. Are there any other early warning signs or common skin, eye, stool, anything like that, that people can identify if they're not sure? I would say, you know, if your baby's having, you know, hive like reactions after eating and you see a pattern, hives are kind of like those big itchy bumps, right? Sometimes they look like mosquito bites, sometimes not They're, you know, they can have different forms, but you know, if if you're seeing a pattern with those after, excuse me, after your baby's eating certain foods, and you definitely want to discuss that with your pediatrician, 
In terms of a general colic, always bring it up to the pediatrician. If there's a pattern that it's something you need to discuss, if, is it intolerance? Is it, um, do you need to be evaluated by an allergist? And if you have questions, go see an allergist. This is what we do. We're happy to figure it out. And if we need to test, we test. Pediatric. Pediatric. Yeah. Pediatric. I'll speak for myself. You know, there are allergists like me who see the whole family, right? But you want to make sure that, yes, we, that the allergist at least sees babies. But like we said at the beginning, if you are questioning things, then seek it out, go find someone who specializes in it and they can educate you more, but maybe your pediatrician is enough. And maybe the information you find on your mom groups and online is enough. About those early. Okay. So we have eczema and obviously anything that presents immediately after eating like hives, general colic, all some early warning signs of potential allergies. Dr. Katie, I feel like I could talk to you all day about this topic. I, I have so many questions, more questions. Um, it's just, it's so interesting. And it's interesting because the evidence-based clinical trials are newer. So it's, it's newer information. And I imagine that more trials are being done and we will have more information in the coming years. So I think this is very exciting. And I love the idea of, you know, this really reversing the change of these increased allergies in kids and that this is more a public health idea, you know, almost like other things. We, we have COVID, everybody got a vaccine and now we're going in the right direction. I mean, this is the same concept. So this has been fantastic. We're going to jump into our fire round really quick. Are you ready? Okay. Oh, All right. Okay. <laughs> so what are you currently binging on TV? I do not watch a lot of TV, but because of everyone talking about Bridgerton, I finally started watching it. Um, so I, I have just that. started, um, but that will be my, that will be my binge. Maybe I'm in the dark. I haven't even heard of it. Okay. What is the most recent book you've read? This is a, this is also a really tough question because, um, the books that I'm reading are basically, you know, green eggs and ham and science encyclopedias, right. For my kids. Oh, yeah. I don't really have a lot of books because I, if I have free time, I read my journals and then at my bedside table, I basically have crossword puzzle books. I love it. So that's like the nerd in me. <laughs> no, it's great. Okay. So you are a busy doctor. You are running a business. What is your best productivity app? Um, so that's, that's a good one. I use a lot, but we use Slack a lot at the business. And I think since introducing that a few years ago, it's, it's been extremely helpful. So I'll give a shout out to Slack. I love Slack. And how about what, what's your go-to de-stressor? That's easy. That's exercise. Ooh. Yes. Any, any form. I don't care if it's using the elliptical at home, going on a hike, yoga. If I don't do it, I am not a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Dr. Katie, where can everyone find you? And you have a code for us, which I'm really excited for listeners. Yes. Yes. Um, so they can find me personally at doc allergies on Instagram and Twitter, um, at ready, set food. Everyone should follow for just parenthood tips in general, and obviously feeding tips and early allergen tips at ready, set food on Instagram and go to our website, uh, ready, set We have a great, offer here. It's 10% off any ready, set food order, including the new organic baby oatmeal. And the code is hello RSF. Everyone, all your listeners can take advantage of that. That's amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Katie, for joining us today. Thanks so 